Hello, guys. This is the host of Bucks of America podcast, Mr. Jeff Fan. So thank you again for tuning in. And it's been a real pleasure talking to you guys about the adventures that I go on and the guests that I bring on. So, But this podcast has also brought to you by several people that I really respect. And I got some big news for you. Uh, I applied for the Easy Cut pro staff and I got it which was fantastic now I've been using easy cut now for a couple of years I first came across this product in Warren's Wisconsin the one of the one of the one of the salesmen were there and I he demonstrated for it for us and it was my early 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 Christmas present I got the saw along with the sheath with it and I tell you what it makes four or five inch diameter logs, very painless. I mean, it's work, of course, but it does play a value in the field, especially when you're cutting your shooting lanes, clearing up some brush. It's a very quick, accurate piece of equipment to have. And it, the way the blades are designed, it makes things very, very seamless. Check out their stuff on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all around. I recommend checking that stuff out. It's really good. I recommend the product. And my my, my next one is... I want to talk about is Veteran Innovative Products. Now, this is a veteran-owned and operated company, all made and manufactured in America. They make the, the the one pride and joy. It's the Veteran. It's a hundred grain broadhead, and it's designed for compound and crossbow use as well. And the it's surgical steel. It's designed the blades. It's sharp as .035, so it's literally scalpel sharp. And the blades go from one and a quarter inch up to two and a half, cutting width. And this is they claim this is their claim to fame. It was the fir- world's first never fail mechanical broadhead. Now for me, I shot my buck with it. I've been using it for a couple years now, and didn't fail on me. I have pictures to prove it too. Now they their newest product, the newest one they just released is the Veteran. The Veteran, uh, the newest one is a hundred and seventy five grain Veteran, high quality steel, Danier imp- imp- uh, indestructible, and it comes with practice points as well. And that's what I'm looking forward to because FOC is a valuable aspect of it. A little more expensive, but the value of it goes a little bit longer. And they also manufacture the Adam Broadhead, the Guillotine Broadhead, which is great for turkey season right now. So please go to VeteranIP.com to pick it up. And if you're a hog hunter, they have something called the Hog Log. Uh, I recommend all the products. Check them all out. You'll, you'll really enjoy it. The next product is company is mv sports and outdoor hunting now their brand is built on strength perseverance termination now they offer a full line of apparel and accessories they're committed to those never willing to accept defeat which is most of us here now check out check them out on instagram and mv outdoors and they also gave us an exclusive code called wise guys uh, for 10 percent off your entire order so make sure you pick out some prime gear it's turkey season now get after it guys uh, you will not regret it now Another big shout out is Cajun Unicorn Designs. They help us with our um, uh, soon-to-come-up koozies along with uh, decals. So please let us know if you want any decals. They are available. And what they do is they add a southern southern taste to, to your design. And, of course, everything is all subject to approval by the purchaser. Now, you can find them on fa- Facebook and Instagram, by the way, as well. Plus, on mine is on top of that. Uh, one of my favorite ones... One of my one of my newest products I just picked up last year that I started using is, is Cook's Fatal Attraction. Now they are CWD certified 
deer herd that's free. It's like they have a certified, so that's that's no no joke about that. Especially on how CWD is vital to this what's going on in today's society here. And none of their scents are carried over from the previous year. They're all collected early fall and throughout the ruts to, to maintain that 100% purity. They don't use water. They don't use preservatives to it, but they collect during the time because it's the, the highest uh, estrogen is going to be found into them. They, they also hand bottle and test and also test the freshness to uh, secure their quality assurance from the staff. They, they ship directly to you. That's what I like about it. They go right from from the from the source to you. There's no shipping it to a dealer and going from there. And they also have Dominant Buck. That's another one I use this past season. They also have serv- certified Peak Doe Estrogen for uh, it comes in a four ounce bottle. They also sh- they also ship in the U.S. for free, which is pretty badass. Now, if you want a really good uh, a really good breakdown, it Eric. From Where to Hunt podcast number episode fifty four. It's called Getting Inside the Buck's Head. Rich Cook sits on the podcast, talks about everything during and uh, off season of the of the the uh, hunting season. Now you can see all the results on Instagram, so that's what Rich prefers to use. And you can check them out at cooksdeerscent.com. So without further ado, here is Bucks of America podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This is another podcast for Bucks of America. This is number three. I'm bringing to you guys Zach and Jack from Axe Outdoors. And they're going to be discussing about their passions, about where they want to take their company, and see what will come of their hard labor. So I'm going to introduce Jack and Zach now. I'm Jack. And I'm Zach. And we are Axe Outdoors. So you guys are really excited about the new pro- passion project you guys decided with. You guys are both full of energy, and you you want to know. We were actually kind of curious on who are the faces of Axe Outdoors. I mean, we're just two dudes. We we met in college. Uh, we started working at Gander Outdoors. Um, out of, I don't ask for cross, but we just got to talking. Um, I mean. We share a passion of hunting. Zach is in school to be a game warden. I'm in school to be um, a police officer in the criminal justice program. Um, but we share a passion of hunting, especially bow hunting. Um, Zach's just getting back into it. Um, he's traveled all over the country for fishing, hunting. So we're just uh, we're just trying to see, I guess, what we can do this fall. Yeah, and, and no, it's definitely kind of cool to, to be able to take something that um, you grow up your whole life doing, but you never really decide to turn it into a, uh, a project un- until you, you know you're in the situation at the right time to do such. And right now, I feel like where we're at in our experiences that we've gained through uh, my traveling and everything and hunting, and, and obviously both of us growing up hunting and fishing and just being outdoors, doing everything that we uh, that we we kind of spend time out there. Um, it, it really put us in the position to be in where we are today. Wonderful. So my question for you guys is, we'll, we'll start with Zach on this question. What 
allowed you to come to this decision of jumping into a high energy task? Um. So yeah, I mean, pretty much, I've, I've, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, growing up with my dad, who, who's an absolute outdoorsman. Uh, everything he does, hunts, fishes, uh, digs, gins, everything. It, it's uh, kind of just brought me, gave me those experiences, and, and then playing college ball kind of um, gave me even more passion to like when I'm when I'm going to do something, I, I put 110% into it and. And I know that, you know, this is obviously something that, like you said, takes high energy to do. And uh, I, like I said, I just feel like we're both in a position to really allow this to, to take off. So what about you, Jack? Tell me a little bit about what, can you give me a, a moment in time that solidified your passion for the outdoors? So when I was in high school, uh, me and a group of buddies, we, you know, we figure we try to start maybe like a little hunting page kind of what we're trying to do now um and it was just you know just for fun um and it was based around duck hunting uh, on the mississippi river i grew up from prairie to sheen wisconsin and ever since then like i mean my passion in the outdoors has been since i could remember i mean probably the past 15 years i've done nothing but dedicated myself to hunting i mean high school i didn't do a lot of sports all I did was, I mean, I, I duck hunted most of my life, and then I found bow hunting as a great passion, um, and I just found myself, that's what I would, I if, if I had the choice, I could dedicate my life to it, I would. I mean, obviously, as, you know, I mean, as a line of work, I mean, it's it's definitely a hard, a hard passion to create in a line of work, but you put the effort in, man. Interesting, very interesting. See, I find, I'm a little envious of you, Jack, because... I played football in in high school, and you know, looking back, I wasn't very good. And if I was able to have the direction you got to focus on the outdoors, I'd actually be in a, in a, in a little bit different position where I am right now. So who kind of focused your attention towards the outdoors? You mentioned your father, but did you have any other inspirations, and do you have a story behind it? I mean, my dad, he grew up in, in a city, and... So my dad and my parents, they weren't big outdoorsmen, um, but it was my uncle, my uncles and my, my grandpa, they introduced me to uh, gun deer season. So, um, I mean, that's, that's where I kind of caught my interest. And then once, uh, once I got introduced to duck hunting by my uncle, I mean, I fell in love with it. Um, obviously, as I grew older and I got to, you know, I had to start paying the expenses myself. I mean, both season took hold. Um, I invested in my equipment that I have, and that's that's my true passion. And I I'll live it until I until I get buried six feet under, man. You know, <laughs> you, that's amazing. That you have to admire finding a passion so young, because we in life we have so many options that we can choose from. We can go to, we can go to continue on going to school, vocational school, whatever option you have to offer. But finding a passion is what really makes us happy in life. Because it's like, you find what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. From what they say. Now, what about you, Zach? It's like, we got a really good detail of what Jack's like. Now, explain to us, like, what were some of your influences growing up? Um, well, just, just kind of growing up on a, um, more so a ranch, not so a farm. Uh, kind of was nice because I'd, I got the 
the advantage that a lot of other people don't, and that is growing up out there. You know, growing up in the in in the woods. I mean, where our ranch is, you know, you could walk a hundred yards behind my house, and there's deer always out there. I mean, we got our land right behind there. It's been amazing to be able to have that as a, a, a building block, but also having my dad, who has been a huge mentor to me, and then um, also the friend group. That was kind of another big factor was, um, you know, having these friends that have that passion with me. So, like, you know, you can, if you're involved in the wrong crowd or a different kind of crowd, that'll kind of shape what you do and what your interests are. It's all about who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. And so surrounding myself with the people who were outdoorsmen who always mm-hmm. like to spend their time there instead of in front of the tv playing Fortnite like a lot of kids do now <laughs> you know it's it's just it was awesome to be able to do that and and all that made a big impact in my decision to really uh you know put my foot in the door in, in this industry and and uh hopefully it all takes off that's a good point because when we're younger we're still developing our our minds are still exploring different options being figuring out where we fit in society. You know, high school can be brutal for some and it can be prosperous for others. What I like about being at a younger age when you're discussing these topics, you really didn't have it. Because when I, when I was growing up, it was very nine to five, very work oriented. Yeah, you know, right. the whole social media was still possible, it was still growing. The internet was just created at a young age for myself. And it provides a stepping stone for where I'm at, where you guys are at. So it's nice to come from a different perspective. Now, with social media being part of both of your lives, how do you think it's going to impact you? Well, I mean, like, so social media, I mean, that's that's the biggest, I guess, thing in our generation right now, for sure. I mean, that's what takes hold of, of society, for sure, these days, and... I mean, uh, not society. Well, society for sure, but our generation. And I think what separates, I guess, me and Zach, I mean, Axe Outdoors, like, uh, you know, social media is what's going to help you grow. But, I mean, going through high school, we weren't your typical, you know, high school students that uh, all we cared about was, you know, how many friends we got on Facebook or how many followers we got on Instagram and Twitter, man. Like, we we just, we we grew up in the outdoors man i mean like that's i get it you know i mean it's our it's a passion you know i mean instead of pursuing sports and 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 going for for other things you know that that are pretty typical for our age group we we decided that uh, i mean me personally i guess i'm speaking more so for myself um you know i mean i chase the outdoors you know on waterfall hunting living on the river my whole life man i i grew up right on the mississippi i I never really cared too much for Facebook, Instagram, whatever. You know, I got gotcha. you. See, what I've learned over these bra- these very accelerated years, because social media took off with MySpace and Hot or Not, and <laughs> yeah, Facebook. MySpace, man, that's <laughs> it, it, it's unique in how it, it does play a role in our things. Like I've seen with the social media, it can be a good thing and a bad thing because. As a promoter myself and, and like really passionate about the conservation aspect of the whole outdoors is that with social media, it's, it's, it's divided. You have your group of people that just love the outdoors and you have ones that 
not I wouldn't say uneducated, but haven't had that experience because well, they didn't grow, a lot of times they didn't grow up in the, in the situations that we have been able. to. I got gotcha. you, and that's the, the, the big cities and everything. I mean, those the kids there, a lot of times they've never been to any sort of public lands. Like, mm-hmm. And that's you know, like what you were talking about, conservation, especially of public lands, is a big topic that's kind of going around. I, mm-hmm. I completely get where you're coming from. So, what I've learned this thus far, because like I'm still new to the whole aspect of everything. See, when it comes down to social media, it's a very dicey situation. Mm-hmm. So, from what I've seen, friends, a negative impact is that it's it's missing that experience. So, what do you think it could be a solution to adding this experience to the lifestyle? So, um, you're asking what would what would help? Bring- yeah, what would help create. Um, change the view of hunt, hunters and fishermen through social media. Yes, yeah, through so, social media. Yeah, I, I think that you know, um, obviously, where we are, like you were talking about, there's a lot of division between people, just in general, but also especially when it comes down to the outdoors and 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 hunting, fishing, etc. And a lot of people now aren't too fond of the idea of things like that. So I guess I, I don't know what would help with that is really being able to. Um, Put this idea out there and have it relate to a lot of people in a different way because mm-hmm. before from like i know what i saw when i was younger especially when social media had just kind of been up and coming was you saw all these um almost it seemed to me like staged kind of things like it was just it was too perfect you know everything like especially with hunting fishing the shows and, and the social media so it's kind of i think we need to um relate it to a, a large group of people in a way that everyone can kind of understand it, can appreciate it, especially because, I mean, a lot of people still eat meat, and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people that eat meat aren't fond of hunting, and, and the big thing about that is well, I know where my food comes from. And, and, and there, There's a giant stereotype, I mean, behind, you know, professional groups, uh, hunt, hunting groups such as, you know, I mean, like, you've got your, your jury outdoors or the crush TV or... or bone or die you know i mean stuff like that and like i mean those guys they've been doing it for a while and it's staged enough like i mean what our idea is especially with the axe outdoors is we're just trying to get behind a real perspective where it's just a couple of dudes and we're just a couple of buddies and you know i mean we're we're all about having fun living life and then but you know i mean showing that the outdoors hunting and fishing like it's it's still it's a fun thing to do and it's you know I mean it, it's cool like it's a, it's a good thing to really be be a part of it's a good thing to have in your life you know I mean it's not stereotypical word you you necessarily just that's that's you know you just have to be this stage you know whatever the the stereotype and the professional world may be like like a lot of other people are we're, we're just trying to keep it real but yet mm-hmm. show that it's fun and that it's something that everybody should, you know, I mean, like, just try it once, man. You Get know? involved with it. Get yeah, involved. And, it's it's not a bad thing. It's cool. It can be really fun. Now, with high school in your rearview mirror, how was your high school treated? Like, what was their approach to the outdoors? Like, in science class or, or um, history, how did anybody really expose you in school? Well, I guess speaking for myself here, um, my high school was super... Uh, 
an outdoors type school. I grew up around hunter and fishermen outdoors for my entire life, and, and that went to their kids who I went to school with. So it was kind of cool in that aspect, and, and also our teachers. I mean, we had a lot of people that were involved with, um, you know, the Department of Natural Resources, stuff like that, that ended up being teachers at my high school. So I, like I keep saying, I mean, I grew up being able to be exposed to this stuff, and I was a lot more blessed than what a lot of people who are just getting into this uh, this uh, field here were. Well, you know? Hell yeah, I mean, like, you know, I mean, like, for example, like, my, my high school shop teacher, man, like, during the week of gun deer season in <laughs> Wisconsin, dude, contest. like, the, we had a big buck contest, Same. dude. Like, with, in that whole week, it was like Christmas, dude. Like, it was, we didn't do any schoolwork, man. We sat and we watched Midwest Whitetail, and then we had school off for the whole week. You know, we call them to school or whatever, or they call it off. Like, it's just in a small town, especially small towns in Wisconsin, you know, gun deer season comes around, It's there's that's that's what it is, man. You know, yeah, I mean, it's a holiday. Bow, bow hunting might not be as prominent, but you know, gun deer season in Wisconsin. Anybody can vouch it's from Wisconsin. They know, man. That is that that's bigger than Christmas around here, dude. Very well put. Now, with this, with your axe outdoors, what spawned this creation? Um. Well, I guess just kind of. You know, uh, like we keep talking about, you know, we grew up in it and everything, but especially as of as of late, what what's made us want to create this was we were work. I mean, we work at an outdoors store, and and uh, we sell guns, we sell bows, we we run into people all the time, yeah. man, and and you know, I mean, like it's it's something that we just see, like you know, what if we we created something where like just our passion was simply we just you know i mean we just we create a thing where our job maybe in the future it's a uh, a dream right now we're like that's our I got job you. we just hunt man so yeah. what are you guys going to do make yourself different from everybody else because there's a lot of competition yeah, no, out there because the... you you're competing with jim shockey mm-hmm. steve ranella randy newberg <laughs> solo hunter with tim barnett and Remy Warren, you guys, there's a lot of um, approaches to the whole thing. Each one shows their true value. I mean, Solo Hunter's pretty self-explanatory. Randy Newberg provides us an education about history and also about sciences and what's going on in the future and what to what to expect. So with these high expectations, what's going to make you different? What's going to make me want to tune into your show every week on YouTube? Well, I think kind of the big thing with that is I know what we kept talking about is that, um, and we mentioned it just a few minutes ago was kind of seemed like everything's too perfect and that's you know every hunter knows it, it's not how things are everything doesn't just go per- I mean every once in a while yeah I'm sure mm-hmm. something is perfectly set out you go out there and, and you, you, you run into your buck that you've been researching all year and, and mm-hmm. everything trying to get down when he's crossing paths with where you're going to be everything right so I guess kind of the big thing with that is we had a vision of making sure that everyone knows that hunting, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of preparation, and we want to show the realness behind it because um, when you get to a lot of those bigger shows, you know, you, you don't get to see a lot of the mishaps and yeah. and the, the true stories of really what goes on. 
So it um, cuts straight to the hunt, man. Like I mean, that's what you want to see. You want to see the yeah, you know the the anticipation and the adrenaline rush right before, you know, it it comes down to that 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 bone shaking second right before you, you stick a deer or you or you, you you're pulling up and your dog I mean he comes up on on a grouse or a pheasant and it's like that adrenaline moment where where you got to make that right shot we want to keep it real where it's like we show like the night before what we're doing you know like like show how it is just a couple buddies hanging out and the next morning you know we don't know what's going to happen man i mean like we can't predict that you know because it's i get it. nature there i mean you never know what to expect amen to that because we all have had those mornings where it's like i don't want to get out of bed yeah. it's too it's cold i don't want to move yeah. please like cold let me go back to sleep early. Mm-hmm. so now as you guys are since you begin beginning the whole process like what are you looking at like do you have any, what do you use for equipment what are you guys thinking about equipment because this would be great for some of the younger audience that are in their like 11 12 year old age range that they may like think of this as a viable opportunity in the future I mean, like, as, as early as, like, I started out, I mean, you know, I mean, your, your parents are obviously, you got to pray on your parents, man, when you're that old. I mean, you know. Well, old. what kind of technology is what I'm looking at? What are you guys looking at? Have you guys started doing your research on what equipment you want to use? Are you guys oh, going well, yeah, refurbished? I mean, Let's go into a little bit of that because like, that's, that's exciting me is because when I got into podcasting, when I got into, first got into hunting, like, te- actually taking it to the next level, like, looking at uh, technology, like trail cams, mm-hmm. uh cellular plans what would provide what uh providers do what what coverage is what and on top of that, the technology is always growing so like which one is actually going to provide a consistent product even though once you buy it i mean of course like you know affordability is definitely a big thing you know yeah. not everybody has <laughs> money to purchase you know the most expensive trail cams or the most expensive bows the vast the majority doesn't have no the, the mm-hmm. ability to really be Spending thousands upon thousands of dollars yeah. for each hunting season. Yeah. So, what would you guys recommend then to, to for aspiring entrepreneur? I mean, are you talking like brands or, or no, what? talking about what avenues have you looked at to, I mean, to purchase you know, this? I stuff? mean, like the, the avenues you should look at. Are, I mean, it's something that's going to be effective, but it's also cost effective too. Yeah. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, look for that mid to low range. I mean, it's still going to be qual- quality, but you know, I mean, you can afford it because. No matter what, man, like, you, it, it's all about repetition, putting the time and effort in. I mean, like, as you, you get your equipment and you make a little investment, you don't have to go out and buy the $2,000. What I'm getting at is, like, no, yeah, more, I, what I'm getting at is that when I first got into hunting, because you, as we both well know, the right. trail camps can be expensive. Yeah. There's different brands out there. Now, the oh, nice yeah. thing is about social media, you can find any brand out there and you can just research it. Yeah. Now, w- the avenues I use to get trail camps was i went to pawn shops and it's yeah, amazing sure. oh, yeah, absolutely. how what you can purchase and another nice thing is when you go to a pawn shop depending on the, the shop you have in store in, in, in the town they'll always make sure the product's not stolen yeah right because we if, for us to like to hunt public lands it can be expensive having your cameras come up missing yeah yeah which is all too common but no i, I definitely i guess going off kind of where what you were asking is you know me growing up my dad has always been super tight on mine and we never ever ever even to this day had the nicest hunting equipment um even guns i mean hunting clothes everything was years upon years hand-me-downs that kind of stuff that we ended up hunting with and so i guess it was kind of nice when i got my own job and everything to afford these kind of things but until then i mean make just make do with what you got i mean really you can go to walmart i mean you know you can go to a big box store 
and get your hunting equipment there and as long as you are prepared and you Ask are a straight game. shooter you, you know that that hunting equipment kind of comes second but i i know um like obviously it'd be a dream to be able to wear all first light hunting clothes mm-hmm. and, and and that kind of stuff but for now i mean it's just make do with what you got and, and like i said i mean you can go to big box stores and get the right equipment and you'll still be out in the woods and you'll be camouflaged up and, and mm-hmm. you can you know as long as i said just shoot straight that's the thing like, yeah for sure i mean or even ask your buddies you know like your i mean or, or relatives or whatever like you know i'm ask and see if they got old stuff they don't want you know i mean that's how i grew up when i grew up i mean i didn't have hunting clothes right away off the bat you don't just you know, like you sometimes most of the time you just can't go out and just drop you know a couple hundred bucks on some cool new gear i mean like you, you get what you can get and make it work and and it will work i mean like if, as long as you know i mean you do a little research and like you, you figure out a, a system works for you and you're gonna have your ups and downs you're gonna have your hardships no matter what you just well, that's what hunting is that's what hunting is in general. i got that's you outdoor so game, man. what i've seen like what i've done is my approach with hunting. because i did the same exact same approach i went to garage sales yeah i went to uh goodwills because you can find some good stuff don't forget tj maxx guys out there yeah. you, you mean it you may feel that's geared towards uh the feminine products, but boy, you can find some steals there. I found some Under yeah. Armour stuff for dirt cheap. It's like I am not paying full price. Well, you know, no. Get a no. job somewhere no. where you can get the discount. There you I mean, go. There you the have thing. it, boys. Because I mean, like, yeah. th- I worked at. Um, I mean, am I allowed to say? <laughs> well, I worked at a outdoors, a big box outdoors company throughout high school, and the discount was very, very nice. Started making my own money, was able to purchase those nice things that my dad and I were never able to have. I bought him some stuff, obviously myself a lot of stuff probably too much uh you know it gets dangerous working there they pay you to play with these awesome products all day and then you come back and put the money in their pocket but <laughs> i could see the exact same temptation when you're don't have as many responsibilities as as, as others you can you can afford those things and, yeah. and what i recommend for anybody that's strategizing as a younger uh hunter is is to figure out a way to maximize your potential because if you're not going to college Go ahead and look at something that drives you passionate. You could be a professional fisherman, guidesman. You could look at being working at big box stores like Andrew Outdoors, Dick's, Cabela's, Cabela's Bass Pro Shop. Yeah. And so I shouldn't have said Dick's because they're just they're going. By the time <laughs> yeah. some of you kids listen to this, it'll be it'll be out of business because their their uh, policies are making not the making the wrong moves. That's a good way to put it. So what I've learned, what what these guys explained is that. Look at your your cheapest possibilities, but also now what they mean by what they mean by red research is if you're going to be hunting an area, pay attention throughout the times of the season. So, if you're hunting in the the early fall, look at the leaves, look at the colors, and find what matches like whites, browns, blacks. It's a very it's a very distinct possibility that you have to really figure out what needs to go. And it's like Mm. pay attention to your surroundings. Then then when the winter season comes out. The nice thing is there are so many places to get snow camo. Just look around mm-hmm. and just pay attention to what it looks like, especially where you have your tree stand set up. And almost like pay attention to have somebody take a picture of it while you're up there. Does it blend in? Because camouflage is a very big win. Now, nothing plays against them playing the, the wind because the wind is key. It's essential because that can break, make or break your hunt, especially if you're hunting on the ground. Because if you have somebody coming behind you and – 
you don't want to pay the money for a ground blind. It's like you have to figure out some way to make sure you can hear and see everything around you. Oh, absolutely. No, that's uh, and like the other thing too is is wait till uh, you know, obviously you want to get this stuff right before hunting season, but a lot of times where you see the biggest sales go on are when it's out of season. Look at the out of season sales that they have going on, or, or the the ones knowledge that, being dropped right there, guys. That's yeah, it's, knowledge. It's uh, you'll see, you know. Uh, deer season and, and especially the fall kind of gets over with and and you'll end up seeing oh well we're having this closing sale that you'll find deals that are 30 percent 40 even 50 percent off at these big box stores oh, that's the time to go in and get your stuff because now i mean obviously there's going to be a little it's almost an investment because you've got some time to wait till you can use it but you're going to get the best deal possible at those times so what the future of axe outdoors now what which season are you guys going to go after first? Because both seasons is very long. Short yeah. shot uh, gun season is very short. But what is going to be the first thing you're going to go after? Because for me, when deer season hits, when it opens up, that until the day it ends. Because I I really don't have the the exact same experience as you guys do with hunting ducks and goose. Now, doesn't mean I don't want to get into it. I think it'd be a lot of fun because I I have a beautiful 1100 Remington, and anybody that knows that make and model is just. A solid platform for duck hunting. Bird oh, yeah, hunting. man. Yeah. I mean, like, I grew up on the Mississippi. We're both, yeah. I mean, I mean, we both grew up on the Mississippi. I grew up uh, duck hunting originally. I, I didn't get into bow season, bow hunting, until I, until I was probably 15. And, I mean, like, I, I just, I fell in love with it. Um, but duck hunting, goose hunting, it's, it's a ton of fun. And... I mean, if you can find yourself to like it, I mean, try it once, man. Like, you get hooked. I mean, it's an expensive, it's a it's a rich man's sport, man. But um, you, can find, ways you, you can find ways to make it work, for sure. I mean, I found little points there. I broke as hell, man. But, I mean, you can still go out and get after it, you know. You, you get, yourself, get yourself a nice little cheap, cheap shotgun, whatever. I mean, I got, I think I got an H&K shotgun. Like a three hundred dollar shotgun, but it still kills ducks, man. I got hand me down decoys. I got old waders I still use. I've had for years and years. I mean, but you know, it, as long as you do a little research, you practice, and on your calling, whatever, get a group of buddies to go out there. You have That's a, a good point. So why don't you elaborate on the calling? Where did you learn how to call? So I learned calling ducks and geese from my uncle. Um, I mean, a lot of small little locally owned. Uh, call shops whatever around the country around the midwest uh more so down south down south i mean duck hunting waterfowl hunting in general is more prominent um, louisiana alabama arkansas uh kansas super big, super big. I why mean, is that why is it so popular down there even better, other areas <laughs> better conditions it, well i, I mean not. if you go down further down south like deer are tiny man so people don't really want to deer hunt i mean it's 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 true the deer are little man they're like size dogs Mm-hmm. The ducks down there, I mean, the, the way they migrate south. When it gets cold, they go south. And, I mean, it's it's definitely, it's it's just, it's it's a bigger thing down there. There's more ducks down there. Um, mm-hmm. Flooded timber, flooded corn. Up here, Wisconsin, I mean, you can still have just as, as much luck down south as you can up here. I've, I've killed many ducks. So with... Uh... The Wisconsin season. What do you what do you think should change about it? Do you think what we have in place right now in the state of Wisconsin is fair? Well, 
going into work with the DNR, I kind of have to agree with what you know what they have set in place. Obviously, if if I was um, so like and following on with that, Kira, I mean, like what what there's in place right now is way better than what it has been in the past ten years. Even there used to be twelve o'clock, twelve p.m. opening day. That was twelve p.m. shooting time. Man, that sucked. And then they moved it to nine p.m. Now it's uh, it's thirty minutes after sunrise. And we got an early teal season, we got an early goose season, early teal season is the first seven days of September, early goose is the 15, first 15 days of September, so I mean, you got 15 days of sow waterfowl hunting, and, a lot of opportunity. and there's a lot of opportunity, and, it's, and goose hunting, I mean, it's it's cheap, man, tags are super cheap, you can go kill five geese for three bucks, man, I mean, you go out there and you get a group of buddies, you can go out and kill a bunch of geese. Speaking man. of geese now, how big is a geese sack? <laughs> how big is how big is a goose? I should say. Well, I mean, uh, I guess my waterfowl experience. I probably haven't shot as big a one as Jack, which he could probably take it over a little bit more here with him having a little I bit mean, more experience. But he, it obviously there's gonna range a little bit in size here. But you're you're really looking for. I mean, it's a big big black and gray turkey. I guess I don't know, man. I mean, they're huge, dude. So considering like we all we have an understanding of how big I a turkey mean, like, is. What got, is how big is a goose? I mean, how big got, is it? You got like Canadian geese, and they're, they're how big, big are they? I mean, they're probably I don't know, 15, 15 pounds, twenty pounds. It depends. It depends how what how old they where are. Hunting. Um, depends the time of season where they're hunting. I mean, early season they're going to be a little. But is that what you're? Smaller. Is that what you find is a consistent size? Yeah, about fifteen pounds, man. I mean, so how old are they when they when they reach that point? So in time. I mean, and like it depends on where you're hunting. I mean, there's there's uh, there's different areas, uh, Wisconsin, where I've hunted um, in southern Wisconsin. Um, I mean, fifteen pounds is they all they get. Now, with a fifteen pound goose, what is the typical age range you're going to you're going to counter such a magnificent bird? With a fifteen pound goose, you're looking at. Probably at least five years. I mean, that's old goose. He, he or she has been around for a while. Um, on average, you're usually going to see about eight to twelve pounds um, at about a year and a half. They're probably going to be at about eight to ten. Um, you know, I mean, as the older they get, the bigger they get. You know, I mean, they're they live longer, they eat more. I mean, obviously, the more they migrate, they get smarter. So, question for you: So, how one a goose reaches fifteen pounds? They're usually used to about five years old. For a male, for a female goose, how many eggs would they leave lay in that five-year period? I mean, with a female goose, it could be on average. On, on average, 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 on average, probably about ten it, eggs. I mean, and, and that's course, pretty. That's pretty impressive. Well, so, what's the what's you, the success rate? Well, uh, well, success rate. Well, I was just going to throw in that. I mean, if you drive down the highway, especially even around here, especially you know when they're having their babies and everything, you see the. They're the walking goslings. around with yeah, with with eight goslings and yeah. some, but obviously with with natural predation and and, and like roads and everything. Unfortunately, I mean, yeah. they're, they're you know some some Most die. And, <laughs> so on a on a nest of ten, so you're saying what seventy five percent have a pretty good success rate for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's still sure. really good. I mean, that's really good. Yeah. It it really shows on our accountability what we do with our hunting season because we don't overhunt. We have a very short period of time. And it allows to have a balance because they can, they can really add up really quickly and say balance is one of those things we need, and we don't want them to 
eat themselves out of house and home. Is essentially what we're looking at. Now, I know, Zach, you're really big into pheasants. Now, I yeah. love pheasants. I'm an Iowa boy myself. I've been hunting pheasants since the mid-90s. Now, okay. for those dating me, it's like, like oh, this guy's young. Now, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how old you are. It's like how many miles you walk. Now, anybody out there that's hunting pheasants understands that one trip could be four or five miles round trip. Yeah. Which is still fun because it's like, Good, a bad day of pheasant season is a, is better than a day at work. So why don't, you, yeah, why don't you give us a little a breakdown on the pheasant? Like, where did it come from? So, uh, well, the the what we all know is the um, the main thing that we're going to hunt here in the United States is the ringneck pheasant, which came from China. Um, and then with that, I mean, you're looking at... <clears throat> I know I don't do a lot of with Wisconsin not having, obviously, the best pheasant hunting in the Midwest, for sure. Uh, I head out a little west and uh, do some hunting out there every year, a couple times a year. And, uh, I mean, and then, like, kind of what Jay was talking about, like the average sizes and stuff. I mean, you're looking at each time you shoot a, a nice rooster out there, I mean, you're looking at, at like, usually two-and-a-half to three-pound bird. But, you know, obviously there's the anomalies that one might end up being three-and-a-half pound, hell, sometimes four pounds. So how old um, is a bird at this um, weight? A lot of times from at least what... I have been told by, like, wardens and, and, and having my dad and everything there with me hunting a lot. It's a lot of times you see a 10 to 20-month, um, like, average uh, lifespan. Sometimes, obviously, there'll be, you know, you'll get those three-year birds that are in there. But pheasants aren't going to live as long as as your your geese, your turkeys and stuff. And, and a lot of that has to do also with weather conditions. And, and I know a lot of those um, more in the plains in, in some of those states out west of Wisconsin – um, you have different conditions which affect it, such as um, whether it was a wet or dry spring and, and, and how the winter was and, and how um, there's been a lot of loss of CRP land, especially out in a state of um, like South Dakota, mm-hmm. for example. So um, CRP land, for listeners who don't know what that is, would be crop reduction program land. Um, and that's mainly just like hunters kind of allowing people to, or allowing the public more so to have that managed for the pheasants and stuff like that, you know, like you're able to hunt that, the CRP land, but they're taking a lot of that back because the profit margins aren't, aren't as big because the state was, you know, would pay someone to have that CRP land and, um, we're losing a lot of that. So that kind of really affects the pheasant population. I know like over the last, um, 10 years ago when I was going out, I mean, you drive by and you'd see an uncountable number of pheasants mm-hmm. in, in every big field. And um, I know they had a couple bad droughts, and they had some really wet springs, which um, four, three, four years ago, it brought that uh, population down across statewide by like 50-something, 60%. And then it kind of started regaining over the last few years, and then last year they had another drop where you saw another loss of 50-60%. to 60%. Jesus. So, it, yeah, no, it's 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 a um, something that if you're passionate about um, uh, pheasant hunting and... and, and even hunting in, in the Dakotas and in Iowa and stuff, I mean, it's definitely something to look into and then call your, whoever your elected official may be and kind of make that a point that that's a big issue because I know going out there now, guys were able to just go out and get their limit every day hunting public land. Now, mm. I mean, depending on where you're hunting at, you're not able to do that. You have to find the right connections, private land guys who have their standing crops, their, their, their corn that's still standing, and hunt there to really get your, your limit. And that's not what, obviously, any 
outdoorsman that hunts public lands, which I feel like is most of us, is, mm-hmm. you know, what, what you want to see. I got so. you. So a permanent understanding, because when I was growing up, the part of Iowa I lived in, it was very open. It was one of those models where it's brown, it's down. Now that played, that had a role in our, in our ecosystem for deer, but when it came down to pheasant season, coming up here pretty soon, because Iowa's pheasant <laughs> season starts in October, oh, runs until so February, it's, ex- it's, it's about a $100 tag or so, yeah. plus or minus, don't quote me on it, because things change from time to time. I think you're it, looking at like 120. Now 120? I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I see. Now, growing up, it's like I remember seeing some of my father's friends that would have information back in the early 90s between like 88 and 95. They would pull 100 bird seasons. Yeah. Then yeah. right after 95, we saw a big change in the Midwest. They would they would start seeing a decrease. It wasn't much the first couple of years. Let's see, 88, 80, 70, 75. But then as of the last 10 years... If they hit a 30-bird season, yep. that's yep. an amazing year. So from what you told me, the sound like the CRP land was was a essential piece of the uh, success yeah, of the bird. Yeah, and, and the thing, I, don't, I mean, I don't mean to, to blow that way out of proportion, but it, it is a big part of, of where the pheasant numbers are coming from. And, you know, the more CRP land and the more just land in general, because that's really what it translates to, translates to is how much um the average joe is going to be able to go out and hunt and use and the mm-hmm. more land that we lose the less likely and the less chance you're going to have at killing your limit killing your birds and it just it, it's not a positive really for anyone now as you guys are understanding this here it's like we as hunters appreciate wildlife because yeah. we we look at aspects such as biological situations where how to flourish a bird such as this and we try our best we do our we we, we can and by establishing science in the conservation aspect of the outdoors is what how we succeed and how we figure out the money aspect is what it seems to be a issue now i don't mind paying extra no i mean the robert yeah robert pitts uh pitman act in the early 1900s yeah. was established by hunters because we understood the importance of our econ- of the dynamic of the biology because we want to see everything flourish we want to make sure that it's a, with the that's, changes in society it provides us a a challenge that's but it's conservation, something we, man. yeah exactly so what do you have to say about that i mean con- conservation man right there hunters every, are the biggest conservation hunters are the biggest <laughs> conservationists by all means every year that you go and you buy your your bow hunting license or your gun deer or your your small game whatever like every anything. single bit of that money man is what's keeping your hunting seasons going every year you know your your bag limits your every it changes the every year the creating land, better habitat, creating yeah, better habitat for the animals that you want to go out and hunt. Yet we go out and we want to harvest. We want to, we want to get that big buck for. So, do you guys can, can you explain to me a little bit about habitat between the goose and the pheasant? Why don't you elaborate on wetlands, the waterfowl, ducks limited? I mean, I am a member of Ducks Limited. I love the corporation, the, the whole the whole mindset behind the whole idea about it. Yeah, now, that's one thing I want to learn more about, but. Uh, We'll discuss that later on the road, but it's 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 very crucial in how our conservation over the wetlands 
provides as habitat. So can you give us some insight about well, that? Well, I mean, with wetlands in, in the nation, I mean, like, they're in the past, I remember in, in the recent past years, I mean, wetland conservation, um, it was decreasing. There wasn't enough wetlands for migratory birds to, to uh, you know, I mean, I guess make a home of. And, and, and in the past few years, it's, it's increased. I mean, Wisconsin, you know. Do you have an estimate on that while on the wetland? It doesn't have to be necessarily focused on Wisconsin, but I mean, overall, in, in between the, the here Gulf, and the Gulf. I mean, here in the Gulf, I mean, like, it, it, I, my personal inquiry on that, I guess, was, I mean, it decreased in the past few years. I mean, it would have decreased probably close to 50%, 60%, if I remember right. But, I mean, with, with conservation efforts going towards it, I mean, it, that's... I mean, as young, you know, I mean, as generations come, the more people that get out to hunting, the more, the more that goes towards conservation, the more wetlands will improve. So that way, migratory birds. That, I mean, that, that we keep the numbers at, at that mid-range to a high, you know, a sustainable level, to where we can hunt. But yet, so I mean, we still keep a healthy habitat out there. I mean, yeah. So what do you think about the pheasant habitat? Because well, right? I'm, I'm a part of Pheasant Forever. Yeah. Uh, recently, yeah. Cody Near dis- disclosed that we, we provided a very large amount of money towards pheasants forever because we were all big passionate hunters yeah. about it so i kind of just uh like i said I, i'm not gonna be able to speak a whole lot on what i know about like the um the waterland uh, habitat in wisconsin but i know for sure out near south dakota north dakota etc you saw in these last five years kind of what Jack said. I mean, you're looking at losing a lot of that CRP land, like I was talking about earlier, and you're looking at a loss of 30, 40% of land. So I mean, I got maps I could, I could, I could show you from, that we have from 2000, 2004, et cetera, all the way up till now. And so is there a uh, electronic format to show, to see this information? Um, yeah, well, you can go on to the South Dakota, um, really just like fishing game, so um, any, what you're saying is any DNR website their, or... Yeah, for sure. So they'll show their public yeah. lands, too, that you'll really be able... And then they'll have their CRP land kind of labeled in a different way. And mm-hmm. you've got kind of... If you get those maps, you obtain those maps, you'll be able to see what has happened over the last however many years. You'll see the slow decline and all that stuff. Well, you, I shouldn't even say slow, but a, a, almost a can, rapid decline. I gotcha. And, and, you uh, can look at the numbers. I mean, like, the pheasant waterfowl, like, you look back 20 years plus, I mean the numbers were way higher than what they they are than they have been in the past 10 5 10 years i mean back 20 years ago duck hunting goose hunting pheasant hunting deer hunting i mean it, it was awesome but yeah, then as the years came i mean like it's it's gone down and now we're at a steady at a steady mid level i guess of where you know at a good number of where we should be it can always get better obviously Mm-hmm. But I mean, as the years have gone on, I mean, the decrease—it's it's been a decrease, and now it's—I mean, and it's been a struggle. But I mean, the it's more... almost ironic in a sense. Yeah, that, that the more we seem to, at least from um, what I've seen, is more people getting serious about the conservation of our hunting lands and our fishing lands and everything. How We've so? Almost seen, do, you, well, do you do you have any like any so, information I mean, we can from, we can quote I've or resource? Seen, um, I guess. Uh, just seeing um, and, and, and hearing, like I said, I don't want to give off exact statistics and stuff because I don't have them here in front of me. Do you have a good uh, resource? I, yeah, you so use? like me, like you listen to like such as like the Meteor podcast. All those guys are very credible, credible people, mm-hmm. and they'll talk about how um, 
you know, you, you've kind of seen a shift go from maybe not as large in numbers, but a more serious focus on, mm-hmm. on, on our lands and such. And what's ironic to me is that, of course, we're getting more serious about everything, and, and but it seems like in a lot of the areas that I hunt, the public land, um, like acreage that you can hunt has gone down. Um, and even just going out and, and seeing maybe as many trucks as there were out there uh, with with deer, you know, deer in the back of their truck, and you just don't see it as much. And it's kind of interesting. It's, like I said, it's just to me ironic that it seems like although we're getting more focused on conserving our lands for this type of use, it seems like um, there's less of it. Yeah. I gotcha. Perfectly understandable. So. You were explaining to me earlier before we started the podcast, you're talking about your, like, what you're bringing to the table with Axe Outdoors. Okay. Sure. So, as far as, like, what I would be bringing. Yeah, what what's your guys' outcome? What, like, what do you see rolling out in the next 12 months to keep things focused? Well, obviously, we... Um, as far as like over filming and such, like or, or just what we overall, because uh, it'd be nice to see where you guys are going. Because like Bucks of America, we we have a beautiful established uh, catalog that we're working with of all states. Because we want to show people identity. That's the whole thing about it. Because the whole uh, motivation behind Bucks of America is we want to show people's passions, mm-hmm. whether it be waterfowl, fishing, hunt, uh, big game. We want to show everything off. So yeah. now with that in mind, what do you guys? What do you guys want to do? I guess what I know that we each kind of have different things that we want to do, and that's what makes us great is that we're able to kind of bring two people's ideas and concepts and everything and mesh sure. them into one one um, axe outdoors, you know. So mm-hmm. my big thing is I've been lucky enough to be able to go to um, Texas and hunt South Dakota. I've done a lot, just as much of hunting in South Dakota as I have here in Wisconsin. I've done hunting in Minnesota. Um uh, Wyoming. I mean, I've done fishing in Florida, California. I've, you know, I've been able to do all this stuff, and and I guess what I want to be able to do is is really create awareness of um, our your values. Values is what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, our values. What are, what are and, some of your values? Because I'm still learning myself, folks. Yeah. So I guess some of my values personally would be. Um, when it comes to hunting and fishing is being respectful of the land that you're stepping foot on. I mean, obviously yeah. you can look up Fred bear quotes for days and I, I know I have like the, um, it, it just kind of goes, I, I want to be able to have that for, for everyone and kind of relate it to people that maybe aren't into hunting yet, but can kind of get an idea that we're doing a really good thing here. By what about you, uh, Jack, what about yourself? What more information you can give us? I mean, like it's passion that I've, help with myself my whole entire life i grew up around it i so jack when you're referring to this upcoming season with whitetail what will be some of your tactics you're going to be using with some of the equipment you're going to use why don't we start with equipment because we, we we're all bow hunters here yeah, and we can sure. kind of go through a breakdown of what we use so i've used the hunter safety system harness for past ever since i started hunting um I'm a full believer. I'm terrified of heights, man. So, like, <laughs> I'm terrified of heights. When I climb up in the tree, I, like, a harness, I think, is key. Um, I mean, that's, that's, I've used it. It's 
never got in the way of me making a shot on a deer. Um, I I love it. I think if you're gonna bow hunt for sure, um, I ha- I hunt out of trees uh, out of uh, out of hang stands. So I mean, it sometimes it can be real sketchy, man. But like the safety harness is definitely a big thing. Um, so with your hang stands, how high do you go? I mean, I usually go about 15, 20 feet. Um, you can even go higher, man. Um, depends on how many climbing sticks you get. You can get a set of 20-foot climbing sticks, like four sticks, whatever. Um, some people only like to go 10 feet. I think the higher you get, the more invisible in quotations you're going to be from the deer. Um, you know, you don't want to necessarily be on eye level. It depends how, if you're hunting off of, uh, in a valley, off of like a hill or whatever, um, you definitely want to be a little higher if possible. Um, camouflage is definitely a big thing. I use real tree extra. That's that's my camo pattern. I got gotcha. you. It really doesn't matter what the brand, I guess. You know. What do you use? What what pattern um, do you use? Well, as of late, a lot of the uh, like Badlands and the the, the Cryptech type of of almost uh, seems like an alternative camouflage if if you would like to call it that it just um not something that's so traditional such as real tree or or what you're gonna find you know mm-hmm. everywhere so i guess kind of in that same sense you know um i use a lot of that that type of camo um <clears throat> and as far as like the scent blocker so you know dead downwind has been mainly what i've used over the years for scent control yeah yeah for scent control very um, cool you know, just using that kind of stuff just has, has got me by and, and has come up with some results in the past. So yeah. why, uh, you know, they always say, don't fix if it's not broke. So. Oh, yeah, by all <laughs> means. Like where I hunt, I hunt a lot of maples. So I'll use a Max 1 because of how the, the leaves will bleach. Yeah. It's, and I've found indifferent in success with it because it's like it works for me. It camouflages me. It just all depends on the type of season where I'm setting that to. Because I, I mix it up. I do ladder, st- ladder stands. Or if I do a, a stand itself, I'll do a two-man stand. Because yeah. even as a bow hunter, having that extra room as yeah, a two-man, it's worth it's it. It's, also, it's so worth it. Based off of like what camo you use, just like what you said earlier. I mean, like look at your surroundings, man. The time of the year. like Early season, early September, man. Opening day, it's still there's a lot of green. I mean... You can, you know, I mean, you're going to want to base off of your surroundings. If you're using a hard timber camo when it's green all around you, I mean, you, you might stick out a little bit. Um, I mean, scent control is definitely a big thing, but the more, you know, I mean, the more you base yourself around your surroundings, um, the more you mm-hmm. camouflage yourself, the better off you're going to be for sure, you know. And what you were talking about earlier with have someone take a picture of you up in your stand, if it doesn't look right to you, is it going to look right to a, a deer? <laughs> right. You know, it's, yeah. you gotta take like you like um, you saw about earlier. Just have someone or, or set up your camera, get a picture of yourself up there, and if it looks good, it probably is good. Yeah, but if you sure. stand out like a green hat with an orange bill, I mean, you're you know you're probably <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Your, your first priority, man, should be camouflaging. I mean, do you you guys have any knowledge of what colors you should avoid? I mean. Well, with with my experience, what colors? What colors, guys? Well, besides the obvious, I mean, like like yeah, obviously, you want to be using blues and, and with, with my experience from from hunting and even within the military, man. Like I, I mean, I served in the guard for three years in the army as an infantryman, and I mean, like one of your jobs is. Oh, I mean, thank you for your service, by the way. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And I mean, you know, I mean, when you're out there, I mean, like, and 
as as a soldier out in the woods, I mean, you're doing training exercises, whatever. I mean, camouflaging is a huge thing, man. Like, you don't want the enemy to see yourself. I'm not saying the deer's your enemy by all means, but whatever you're 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 hunting in essence, whether it, whatever the case, whatever it may be, I mean, you you want to be unsought, and I mean, your surroundings is 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 key. I mean, you got you have to try to match your surroundings as best you can. Oh, I you know, get it. I get it. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, for sure. I mean, when it comes to deer hunting, after once you match your surroundings with the camouflage, then you get into your scent control because, I mean, early season scent control is really really key. Early season is once you get to that rut. Now, I mean, of course, those big bucks. What's are, what's the golden rule of uh, scent control? Play the wind. Yeah. Play yeah, the yeah. wind. For yeah, sure, man. Yeah. You play gotta play that wind, man. Scent control only goes so far, man. I mean, like, you could have an Ozonics, a freaking, uh, you could have scent killer gold, whatever. You could have the highest scent crap, man. But if you aren't playing the wind right, it doesn't matter what you got. Cause... By all means, kids, we're, we're not discrediting anybody because Ozonics is a phenomenal product. Yeah. Based yeah. out of Mason oh, City, oh, Iowa. Yeah, Go Mohawks. Those, those are from uh, Mason City, Iowa. I don't know what I'm talking about. Now, it's. All these products work. There's no doubt about it. Uh, scent capture, scent control, scent blocker. Y- y- you work what works for you. And yeah. as a, because you're a predator, and you're an apex predator on top of that too. Yeah, and so, no, yes, we are the humans are the apex predator. We are the top of the top. I mean, it, that's just we. That's who we are. It's, yeah. Oh yeah. Amen to that. But when you're going into their realm, remember you're only there for a short period of time. They're there every single yeah. day. So you, as an experienced hunter, now don't feel intimidated, guys. Because the beautiful thing about the hunting community is that we'll teach you. We'll teach anybody. One nice thing about hunting, there's not, there's no prejudice. If you, it doesn't matter who you are, if you want to hunt, people will help you. Yeah. And that's yeah. the greatest thing about it. Don't get me wrong. There are going to be some. What's a little What's a polite way of saying some naysayers in a sense, but yeah, yeah, disregard them like a grain of salt because there's a, everybody's willing to help anybody. Because I know when some of the new upcoming hunters they're gonna ask for people for help, and you know what, they're gonna get a very big warm welcome because that's what separates us. Because we don't need to be mean, we don't need to be down, down degrading them. Because with um, CWD, EWD, yeah, it's all deer management. All same yeah. is deer, deer management, making sure our popula- population stays healthy, disease free. That's our goal. You, you know, these research, are man. these are um, not something. Not only their food, but they, we almost look at them as a a valuable part of our lives because these guys provide an, a deer, a bear, an elk, whatever it may be. They provide an aspect to your life that makes you better than who you are. Yeah. You never think of it because. You never know what's going on in your life until somebody tells you, you're doing this great, you're doing this great. That that uh, humility can blind us all, but we're all well, part of... I'd like to throw a, a quote out there quick. Oh, yeah? You got a quote for, for us? Fred, look at this guy. I mean, He's look smart. At, well, you, yeah, I mean, Fred Bear is... If you're an outdoors, then you should know who Fred Bear is. If you don't, I mean, do a little research and look him up. Um, but one of my favorite quotes from him would go... Uh, Go afield with a good attitude, um, with respect for the forests and fields in which you walk, and uh, immerse yourself in the outdoor experience. It will cleanse your soul and make you a better person. I know personally that has really stuck with me throughout everything I've done because, you know, it. you grow up and you do dumb things here and there. You maybe get involved in the wrong crowd. You might, at the end of the day, 
when you get outdoors and you do what we are so blessed to be able to do. That's true. It, really, it is a blessing. It, just, it, it makes you a better person, a, more appreciative of everything that goes on around you. I mean, it, it really does. It just, uh, been, like, just, like I said, I was just adding that quote on to kind of what we were talking about, but it, it really does. It's it's very well put. It is. It does show us what we have to offer because I like hunting season. I do. It's it's even if I sit from sun up to sundown and don't see a thing, it's so appreciative because it's like I don't have any private land. I don't have any, and I'm like I have public land on. But either land doesn't matter if you're public or private. It's still land. It's God's yeah. gift to us. Yes, and. We as it's a luxury. It's it, not. It's not something. It's not a necessity. It's a luxury. I don't know. I think. I, 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 I think it's a, yeah. I yeah. think it's more of a necessity because it's like it, just well, because somebody owns it. It's, it's, it's a necessity. I I think more so when it comes to I guess if you know you you need to get away. I mean, and and not only that, but I mean the conservation aspect too for sure. I mean, it's a necessity to really appreciate what is around it, you. It's a necessity to us because. Mm-hmm. We've done what we've done, and for we have sure. our, our personal experiences. But maybe I get where you're coming from. With I mean, nowadays, maybe in, as far as it being a necessity to um, someone who doesn't hunt. I mean, you don't see it yet, but if you get involved, even you don't have to hunt. Well, just get out there and just be on your be able to land. work on you're, land. You're, land alone. It's like this. This whole concept of having ownership is a foreign idea. It's mm-hmm. only been recent for the last two hundred some odd years. I think it. It's, it, we need to have that opportunity for everybody to walk. And, you know, you don't have to hunt it. You don't have to hike it. You don't have to snowmobile it. That, that land is a precious gift to us from God. Yep. No matter which way you look at it, only humans put a value on something. And I look at it as like it's, it's something that was provided for us that can be easily taken away. Those who live in a concrete jungle will never experience this, the, 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 silence of the silence of the forest. Or the lake, mm-hmm. or the prairie. It doesn't matter if you're in the mountains or not. It's solid. The, the silence is great. Silence is is, is a way to cl- is not necessarily cleanse the soul, but it's just to expand it, open it up. Because we're very short. We're only on this earth for a hundred years if we're lucky. Max, yeah. <laughs> if we're lucky. What's that Ricky Bobby quote? It's like uh, with. Advanced modern science, my high level of income. It's not crazy to think that I may live to be 245, maybe 300. (laughs) (laughs) That is insane. You know, that's uh, that is a very interesting um, statement, but that's something we're not going to tackle in this conversation. Boy, that living for 200 some odd years, do you know how awesome that would be? Because it's like, I don't know about that. (laughs) I don't know. It's like this world offers so much. I've seen small people, and I don't know what I want to. Well, if you're living to 245 I mean, years if I'm old, 200 years old, and I'm looking like I'm 25, I mean, then hell, hell yeah, I, mean, I can look like I'm 25 to like age 100 and 175. I'll be happy. Yeah, I'll I mean, be happy. Or, yeah. or, or, well, well, if I'm looking like 40 and I'm 200 years old, we'll, we'll be all right, I guess. But uh, I don't know about 200 years old looking like 100. Man, that that sounds painful. <laughs> no kidding. It's like it's one of those things. If you're if you're living to like 200 plus. 50 years, it's like that last 75 years has got to be 25 and older. Because <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. just picture that's like, hi, I'm 200 years old, but I don't look 200 years old. Right. <laughs> or I only look 25 years old. It's like, this is awesome. Yeah. Because yeah. the world offers so much. Because it's like, in a 100 year lifespan that I have right now, I'll never get to see everything because of my my uh, fiscal responsibilities passed down by uh, governing powers. Yeah. 
don't know, that's a big thing. I, I had uh, the person I was out going out with west uh, recently this last week with, I was talking about how there's just too much to see even in our own country. Oh, God, yes. Like, Amen that, to that. Like, you know, everyone is, is traveling to these other countries and seeing it, and that's so awesome. Like, I'm, I'm jealous, but there is too much in my, if you want to consider the country my backyard, that I probably will never get to see. There's too much to explore. There's too much to do. And, and really, I mean, I've got too much to do here before I really start thinking about making this a worldwide thing. You know. Oh, no kidding. We have so much opportunity. We have 48 states that we can drive to. Yeah. And two other ones we have to fly to. And it's like, this this world is such a magnificent place. I mean, we li- really live in a diamond in the in the, in the rough. Yeah. In the rough. We consider the universe. It's massive. It's 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 huge. To see what we have here is, is, is one out of a thousand Earths. The planets. <laughs> Thing about the hunting and fishing we have here in North America, I mean, it's it's second to none. I mean, it, you cannot beat it. it. There's reasons why people spend their whole life hunting all these all this big game across the the continuous forty eight, and that's because they don't have enough time in their life to get out and do these other things. So there's too much to see here. Like, have you ever seen I, an Irish elk? I've seen, yeah, I've seen skeletons. So that's this mega fauna. Now, give you guys a perspective. They they roamed the earth eleven thousand eight hundred years ago or so, right right during the Younger Dryas period, where we had this massive mega fauna: saber tooth like tigers, a flat face bears, exactly. Well, yeah. Jesus, do you think about mounting one of those on your wall? A twelve <laughs> foot bear? For it, yeah. Oh, Jesus! I think that's what kept us over in the off. From jumping to the United States because the Bering Strait is like these big, massive animals. I mean, just think if you're trying to cross in an area that's strictly cold and you're dealing with a bull, with a bear, polar bears themselves only hunt meat. They're an active predator. They see you. Yeah, it's a cat and mouse game until you get out of there. And what I, uh, polar bears um, from like a, nat- a National Geographic uh, TV episode that I was watching are the only predators that still view humans every single time as prey they're the only um the only predator that every time they see one of us it, they still view us as prey oh yeah so well, me, well you're talking water, yeah it's it's barren it is barren it's just as bad as the desert but it's like in the desert they're looking for water up there they're looking for food because it's cold or it's yeah. cold i tell you what now <laughs> cold in wisconsin <laughs> Jesus, those guys over there, it's just like, those those bears are just the epitome of an apex predator. Yeah. Now, for here, being in the Midwest, or wherever where it's cold, it doesn't matter to be in the Midwest, I've found that I like a company called WSI. They're based out of uh, Maple Grove, Minnesota. And now, they've developed a technology that just keeps you warm. Mm-hmm. Like, by... Girlfriend, she bought me an outfit from head to toe. I mean, this outfit's three hundred bucks. But I'll tell you what: if NFL players and skiers and NHL players wear this stuff, it's got to be something good. You know what I mean? And, and the, the unique thing about this, this company, they don't go out for sponsors. It's all word of mouth because the product is so good. Exactly. It's not cheap. By all means, it is not cheap. But it's something for those who want to research at WSI. They will find a game changer in 
the cold weather areas. What do you guys wear for cold weather? Man, well, I, I got a I got a herders get up that I bought three four years ago, and still ask me, man. I got uh, what is a herders outfit? Because I've never is it a name brand or is it just a style? I mean, herders, herders is the brand, but uh, I mean it's it's got it's real tree extra. I mean, like I said, that's a camel I wear. I swear by it. I think it's one of the best patterns out there. Um, but. I but mean, break down the stock because I, I, I don't her, know this name herders, brand. Herders, it's I mean you can you find it in Cabela's. It's affordable, man. It was, oh, it's an actual name brand. See, name I've brand. never heard of it. I I pay attention, but then again, I I found one well, brand. Like, stick I mean, to in, it. The, in the past, you, you had Herders, and then you and then Cabela's came along. Herders was was one of the first, I guess, uh, outdoors stores that were around, and then Cabela's came around. Cabela's came around, obviously, 1961. Before that, there you had you had Herders, and it was just a small little own company. Which then branched off and, and grew larger, and then Cabela's came. Um, so that, that was that was pretty much their main competition. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, well, Herders uh, kind of, I guess, sprouted Cabela's. To be honest, honestly, I mean, really, yeah, Cabela's because Cabela's 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 sells Herders brand. Um, but I bought, I bought, uh, it was Herders bibs and 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 a, and a Herders coat, man, and that's what I use. It's. It's affordable. It's cheap. I mean, even but if it's you, good. It's good quality. It's good. It's quality. It's. I mean, it's for for the price. You really can't beat it. I mean, you can go what about you? Your, what do we well, use? You always be honest here. Yeah, be straight <laughs> so, up. But, all right. Yeah, so, don't don't BS I, I us grew, now. Well, here, so I grew up uh, probably ten minutes away from military surplus store. And ah. What I what I have learned is that you can find if you're looking for the warmest possible clothes, which I know, especially here in Wisconsin. Uh, where my two-year school is in Minnesota, up north, it was, you wanted to be warm. I mean, if you want to sit in your stand all day, except for when the Packers are playing, go Pack, uh, they, <laughs> you you got down to the military surplus store, and they came in with all these, um, you'd have your, you know, obviously like your, your um, pants, but then inside that you could buy the liners. And I've never fi- found anything um, warmer than the liners that they have. I mean, I it's just all been, like, like Jack was talking, affordable, good quality stuff that I still have to this day and honestly when gun season comes around here this year and we're waking up and it's um, hopefully it's in the 20s <laughs> but you know it, it might be some of those mornings where you get that those in the negatives you can sit out there all day and be warm because it's really concealing all that that body heat that you have and keeping it trapped in keeping you warm mm-hmm. when you're up in your stand and um, I know I found a lot of good stuff there. Obviously, going to the big box retailers, you can find the um, the boots that are two thousand grain boots that'll keep your feet warm and everything. You know, mm-hmm. but I'm just you can find that stuff a lot of places. And and we don't hunt any mountains or anything here where weight becomes an issue. But for right now, I mean, this is uh, definitely what I found to work. Hey, we're in the driftless country here. You can get yeah. up in some of those areas where you're 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 climbing two, three hundred vertical feet, yeah. which may not mean enough for from uh, Montana, from Montana, <laughs> Idaho, yeah, Oregon. But here, it's like you still could climb five, six hundred yeah. feet if you if you're in a situation where that's where the big boys are at, well, the, the mature ones. Because as a hunter, we don't go after the younger ones because you want to sustain a stable economy or, or dichotomy of the whole uh, outdoor arena there you go that's a good point it's a good way to put it keeping the ecology of, of all living things and their environment and, and their 
you know, as sustainable as possible. Yeah, no kidding. Because we, we want to avoid CWD, EWD. There's a couple of is, issues we've been battling with them, and it is an ongoing process that we will continue to fight and always ask for help. Because our toolbox is limited, but our toolbox can always grow. Because we're not going to give up this fight. Now, when I started getting into bow hunting here several years ago, my inspiration was Joe Rogan. Just because he wanted to hunt for his uh, food. Now, for me, I've been hunting since the mid-90s. Now, for me, I wanted a different challenge. Now, I will not discredit gun hunting because gun hunting is not easy by any means because mm. it is colder than, than normal. You have to endure a lot of different weather changes. And it's uh, an art that it's not easy to master. Now, when I got into bow hunting, I wanted a new challenge for myself because I've shot my fair share of deer with shotguns. It's like, it's fun. It is, don't get me wrong, because like bow hunting is a lifestyle by all means. So do not uh, discredit uh, rifle hunting because you guys still got to practice. You oh, got to practice. Just because your, your season may be smaller doesn't mean you don't stop practicing. That's the greatest part about it. It's like you can go out there and you can practice because. Anybody that does anything that they practice, they, they zone in only on that talent, whether it be basketball, baseball, football, you're going to zone in on this talent and you're going to want to master this thing because it's like this can bring you food or it can bring you wealth depending on the physical aspect you're going after. Now, I like the outdoor sports because you get the enjoyment of being out in the wilderness. Two, you get to practice, which you get, which is a fun thing to spend money on lessons learned yeah he's no kidding and then you get to you get that one aspect of providing food i love it. it's whenever i harvest a deer or harvest any animal whether it be um perch whitetail pheasant i like to share share is sharing is literally caring because yeah. i can't donate i can't give you money because it's just well we all know we live in america <laughs> now providing food is something more greater because it's like the person that you're giving that meal to will may never get to experience it on the average. But they're humble by the whole experience because it's like, this is amazing. Somebody's willing to take me in at home, give me a meal, and then be on my merry way. Yeah. That's what makes us a very uh, passionate group about it because we add so many aspects to why what we do, and it creates that value. I know, um, especially like hunt. Do you mind if I kind of go off here a little bit off off uh, the, the? Yeah, go for it, so man. You don't have to ask me for permission. As far as you know, what I was always brought up thinking is my dad's a a, a spiritual guy. Which, if that's your thing or not, you know, it's it's all persons. But uh, mm -hmm. for me, growing up, it was it was always I was always taught that I have to be okay with um, taking that animal's life because it's it's still a breathing beating heart that you're taking and for me personally like i said it's not for everyone doesn't think the same way and never would i want everyone to think the same way as i do but uh it, it really uh what i was always taught was you know you have to be able to be appreciative of the animal you take so i know after every when i went hog hunting in texas i mean even those what they consider to be nuisance animals down there it was something that every life that we took down there i was appreciative that i made sure that we made full use of that I got the meat on the table. Um, so, bring up hog hunting. Now, that's something I want to do. I have not done it yet, but it's it's one of those things where I've found where it's either you're paying 
five hundred bucks to a thousand dollars to hunt a nuisance animal yeah. doesn't make any sense to me by yeah. any means. But it, it sounds like they're not looking to solve the problem. Well, and and honestly, um, ten years ago they used to pay people to come down and take these hogs off their land, and now that everyone and there's nothing wrong with it either because if I, was, if I was in the same position, I want to be making money off it too. But now they've learned they can all make money off it. So you're not going to find a place that you just get to go hunt hogs for free anymore. It's, mm. it's not like that. Um, I know <clears throat> we found a, a really cheap place down south, and, and we went hunting, and, and it was... Where'd you go? Um, what, what was that better? Uh, so it was uh, Newsome Ranch. And, Newsome Ranch. So yep. give us a little background on Newsome Ranch. Newsome Ranch. So uh, if you guys have some hog hunting to do, absolutely check them out. Um, they're in between um, Dallas and... <laughs> San Antonio, I believe. it's kind of, it, it's mashed in the middle there, and uh, a little place called Holy Texas, and, the, and these guys used to do it full time, and now it, it, they got jobs elsewhere, and we kind of went down there, and it was a really non-pressured hunt, but they they um, they were causing destruction, I mean, you go down, you know, they'll talk about how these are nuisance animals, and you'll hear about it up here all the time, but until you go down there, and you look in a field where all their cattle are, and all their crops are, and see it all dug up, like literally someone just the field up you don't really understand the whole scope of things until you actually see that in person and i know um so what did you what was your impression of the hog situation down there in texas why are they a nuisance well they're a nuisance because they tear up a lot of the uh the livestock and and cropland so explain i understand lives the crops Livestock. Explain so livestock, I mean, obviously when you got a lot of cows and stuff, uh, any divot or hole that a cow could end up stepping in and breaking its leg or et cetera, et cetera, you're losing profit there. Um, and that's a big thing. Obviously, it's all about being able to make money in today's day and time. And down there, I mean, it, you saw this where they had all their cattle. There was holes. There was divots. There was uh, the, the hogs are aggressive. Whether you want to believe it or not, I mean, we got charged. A couple times on the first day by 260-pound hogs. I mean, do, now, are they the same? Do they charge you like a uh, sow does or a boar does for a bear or black bear? No. So uh, where we went, it was just a flat fee. It was um, because... No, they no, the char- no, the charge. Because you know how they'll do oh, a fake char- charge okay. with the bear? Yeah, yeah. no. So they'll, when they charge you, they're coming at you. Oh, there's there's, there's no there's come no, at 10 yards no, and like, stop? I mean, you know, at least from what I experienced when I was down there, there was no false charging. Like how grizzly sometimes will stop 15 yards out and, and turn the other way and then go back and suss out the situation and keep going from there. When I was down there and we were hog dogging, I mean, they, they came full bore at us. And we Jesus. were, I mean, they are, uh, the guys that we were with, some jumped over a bank, something while I was climbing up a tree. I mean, like, you Oh, know, wow. Yeah, so no, it's, it's just some scary it was, stuff. It was a 260-pound hog. That was, they had some nice tusks on them, which we ended up getting later, but... No, I mean, it was just, um, like I was saying earlier, you see a lot of destruction and everything, and, and um, you will, if you go down there and you hunt hog, by the way, <laughs> that wild pork is better than any pork I've ever tasted in my entire life. So, so describe it to me, because I um, have not had a, a solid description besides Steve Reynolds' meat eater podcast uh, show. It's, it's obviously, I mean, as a wild it's sweeter, or is it sweet? It, it, is it, it salty? It can be a little sweet, depending on the cut. So, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the stuff we ended up making, like, breakfast sausage out of and stuff like that. But when we actually got, like, a couple of the prime cuts, um, you, you know, my dad's a, he loves cooking. So, mm-hmm. he, he wanted to make sure that he got to cook some of it. And, and the stuff that he came out with was so good. It was a little sweeter, um, a little more, I mean, it, it's gamier. I mean, that's, if you don't like super 
It's what we hunt is we want a distinct yeah, flavor. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you're obviously not going to be eating some... Uh, uh, farm-raised farm pork. Farm-raised pork. It, it's going to be wild. But in my thing, I've never been a super, super big fan of, like, pork chops. And animal. I've never, never been a super big fan of pork. Um, that's bacon, and we're talking about sorry. <laughs> Everybody loves yeah. bacon, even bacon, even vegans oh, when they're yeah. drunk, they like yeah, it. No, yeah, no, <laughs> So, no, but it was, it was, um, a little, in, from my palate, it was a little bit more sweet, it was a little bit more gamey, but my god, I mean, if you get the opportunity to harvest some hogs anywhere, at wild hogs, do it, um, and, and, and make sure you're getting that meat from it because keep it cold, make sure you get it fuel dressed right away, everything. Um, cause that's something that a lot of the glands that they have, especially when you start talking those 260, 250 pound hogs that we're getting that first day. Um, a lot of the glands have kind of overtaken that, that, that the taste that you'll get out of the meat. What do you mean by glands? Explain um, that. So they have different hormone glands and, and stuff that'll really taint the meat. I mean, it just, uh. I don't want to get too scientific into it, but... Uh, you don't know enough about it to, to make yeah. it sound like an ass? No, I got yeah, you. I don't, yeah, no, I, yeah. It, but from what I understood is that, you know, I tried some of that. We had, uh, we got a 260-pound to 250-pounder the first day, and we uh, field-dressed everything, uh, processed the 260-pounder. It definitely was not nearly as good tasting as some of the 80-pound hogs that we got. No kidding. Not even close. Even but, despite how big it is, it's... It wasn't even close. So why does it, so at, um, at over 200 pounds, why does it, so you explained to me that the, the glands play an issue with it. Yeah. So why does the weight, does it, is it weight or is it age? The that age co- and, and, and how mature they are. So like obviously uh, one of the boars that we got was, the, it was a 260 pound boar that we got. So and what, what, what made, how old was he or how old um, was it? They estimated, I mean, it could have been anywhere from. They didn't get, want to give me an exact timetable because I don't think they were super sure either. It never, never is when you, when you give an estimation. Yeah. So they said it could have been anywhere from six years old to eight. Oh, know, really? Somewhere in there. So five, how five to eight, six to eight, somewhere in there. So. I got you. Let's, so let's, you're talking, you're splitting hairs away between the years. Now, why does an eighty pound? How young is an eighty pound? Boy? It's a little bit more tender meat too. I mean, or how old are they? Um, no. You're looking. I mean, a lot of those yearling. Hogs are going to be, uh, what I at least learned when I was down there is that the younger it is, the better tasting it will be. So if you're looking at some of those 40 pound, kind of like white tail, I mean, yeah, almost like piglets at 40 pounds. I mean, uh, you know, for, uh, I'm not saying pig, not like well, little, yeah. The boars get, reproduce yeah. at six months, so yeah, they can have three litters, litters a year. Three litters a year, two oh, yeah. litters a year. Especially when they're looking at eight to 12. Piglets yeah. per litter? That's insane. No, yeah. So, I mean, down there, it was just, uh, I don't know, just, just being able to taste the difference in between the two, it was actually, um, it was, it made me appreciate that I was able to take a little bit younger of a hog, but have that better taste, and, and I know that when I go back down there again, yeah, it'll be fun to kind of eliminate some of the, the nuisance uh, 200 and whatever pound hogs, but at the end of the day, I'm probably looking for those... 100 pound and under hogs for eating. So, when it comes down to these massive animals, remind you folks, this is wild raised. It is a a blessing to be that long, to live that long. And now, remember guys, at six months of age, a a sow can have a a litter. And they have litters three times a year. So, don't feel bad if you absolutely have one. So, with the amount of 
um, wild game is out there. What kind of programs do you can you donate the meat to? Let's say you go out there hunt, but you don't want the meat. Well, um, depending on where you're at, I mean, it's just got to be you look up your your local. Um, I know a lot of like the, the game wardens in certain uh, locations will definitely handle. Um, if you call in, you just talk about donating the meat. Yeah, right? just yeah. donate so, the meat. Yeah, yeah call in like... the wardens. I mean, they will point you into the right direction. There's a lot of like local kitchens and stuff that will gladly take that stuff in. Mm-hmm. And I know that was a big part of uh, our other 250 pounder that we did not end up uh, keeping for meat. They donated it. Um, <laughs> whether they enjoyed the meal or not, I can't talk. About I don't know. It's, <laughs> is anybody um, that knows that knows how to cook? You you can take any piece of meat. Like take a, a flank steak from cattle it's not the most premier cut but you put the right uh, spices with it. it's a good cut of meat absolutely and so don't ever discredit somebody's uh, taste on the meat because every cook's different yeah. and, and it takes somebody's experience to really bring out the flavors it takes a lot it, it's not an easy process because becoming an, uh, a chef takes i swear like 20 30 thousand hours now mind you this could take you 30 years to achieve well, a master level for sure. Yeah. Such as like, I mean, like hogs, but not only hogs, but I mean, pork and venison. Um, I mean, donating meat, like that's, that kind of ropes into, I guess, the conservation aspect. You know, as, as hunters, we go out and like, we, we may fill our freezers, but yet we might go out and might get, um, you know, like a, like a farmland harvest so, yeah, tag or whatever. Two, yeah, three deer. two, three deer, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you fill your, your freezer with a deer or two, you know, I mean, donate, donate the meat, it will, it, it, to a it'll benefit cost. a family, it'll, ben- mean, it'll benefit maybe somebody. there's a family during that Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever the case may be, just at any time, I mean, then you're, you're doing a great thing, you're feeding a family or multiple families mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be, you know, I mean, as hunters, it's not all about going and getting that trophy, I mean, you can also do something great with that i mean you can you can impact another person's life and they may not be a hunter at all they're just a person in hardship they may not and they, by name but they're appreciative so there you have it folks when it comes down to notion me that when it comes down to hunting there's no evil aspect of it because no. you can so, something will come good of the process there is something yeah now, as long as you're ethical you're an ethical hunter i mean you you, you are appreciative of what you of the harvest i mean i think most of us all are i yeah. mean honestly yeah. we're, we're, most, most of most, us most are, yeah. all, sure we, we all have bad apples yeah, yeah. Don't, i can yeah. tell you me and zach here man uh, we're more than appreciative of just having the, the opportunity to go out and do this every year i mean oh, yeah. it's a great thing it's i agree awesome. it's fun it's it's a great way to you know i mean get away from everything but also to i mean you can give back to people Oh, yeah. You can go back. That's so true. Very true. Now, we we talked a lot about whitetail. Now, one of our, our, here in Wisconsin, a pastime is bear hunting. Yeah. Why don't we get a little bit of that? Because myself, I am virgin to that territory. Who has the right, who can can explain to us about more about bear hunting here? Um, 
I mean, well, I, yeah, I haven't done any. I don't think any of us. So here you, you got some research behind it. So yeah. So, so I, what I did guess, you use to use as a research material to, to uh, help well, yourself? I mean, Google is a great tool. Google, all right. <laughs> so, yeah. There um, we go. No, I mean, but besides having that, I mean, I, I went to school with a couple kids that were were into that bear hunting, which obviously, from where we are now, you get a little bit more up north to where you want to really yeah. be getting into the. Bears. I have a bear skull that I um, found in Myrick Park here in really? La Crosse, Wisconsin. Really? It's literally setting. Feet away from us. It's a two and well, a half year old I mean, boar. And we've got, I mean, like people that are There's uh, less than a mile from me. Yeah, yeah, less oh, than a yeah. mile from me have had you know? continuous bear sightings. Oh, it, but it yeah. just—it's not a. Uh, um, it's kind of an anomaly. Oh yeah, because right black it's, bears are so hard to see. Because I mean, you could you could have black bears on your property for decades, and not even know they're there because they're more afraid of you than you, you are of so them. Little cat or dog yeah. goes missing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is true. That is very true. <laughs> well, I mean. I mean, between me and Zach, we, we've never bear hunted. I've never bear hunted. Uh, as far as you haven't bear hunted, like Zach, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, so it's, when you, when you it, get into it, the mindset of bear hunting, give me a breakdown of what, like, uh, why what attracts somebody to bear hunting. I, I know, mean, or you can... Uh, the rush, man. I mean, it's like going out in the rut, trying to find a big buck. I mean, imagine sitting in a stand, man. you got a big slot pail of goodies the sweets and i mean the big fat black bear locks up so explain baiting for those who don't know what baiting is for black bear. from my knowledge of what i've researched about black bear hunting is i mean sweets man like cake yeah people will take cake man so why do you bait the bear well um and it depends on the the it comes down to even the county i mean not everything's gonna be the same in every county but it's kind of like also like you based off man i mean like they're they're more afraid of us than we are afraid of them really i mean Mm -hmm. you know if you just go out and sit in a stand like you would a deer their likelihood of seeing a bear is probably very low but I mean, when you, you throw it, that's it's it's an attractive. Like we've all seen Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh loves honey. Mm-hmm. Bears love that sweet stuff. Yeah, and sweets. from what I've learned from my friends and stuff that do do this this type of hunting, which I would love to be able to tap into, it just hasn't financially made sense yet. Um, it, it's uh, so really financially makes sense. Why why does it have to be? Explain that. Why, why does something have to financially make sense? Well, it doesn't have to make sense, but why? What, um, what do you find expensive about the whole process? Well, okay, so already in the fall, archery hunting, you're doing your waterfall hunting, then you got gun deer season to look up to. I always Is a lottery up. then for yeah. resident or non-resident? Apply. Yeah, you have to apply. I mean, it, it, you're not going to really be able to get an over-the-counter tag, depending on what state you're in, of course. It's a, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're I mean, talking. It's a, it's a huge investment to go try to hunt bears. I mean... Don't don't get me wrong. To the future, Axe Outdoors, uh, the, uh, the future hopefully will hold a black bear hunt. That would yeah. That is mm-hmm. it is a goal. I mean, that is a goal that that we would most definitely like to do. I mean, but I mean, when it comes just like what Zach said, like archery hunting, we're, we're deer hunting all through the fall. We're in a waterfall hunt, pheasant hunt. I mean, archery hunting is going to take a definitely a big grass. I mean, you invest so much into just. I mean, one one. Uh, animal as it is i mean black bear you're investing in uh, just trying to even see one man you Mm -hmm. know (laughs) until you're to the point where you're getting paid to go hunt i mean right now it just kind of seems like something that is another thing on the plate that you want you have to be i mean just with any sort of hunting you have to be prepared to do you have to know your stuff i mean if you go out 
and you're you're not experiencing it, and you're not. I mean, is your chance of having good luck super great? No. And that's the same thing with bear hunting. I mean, you gotta know. You you gotta you gotta you research gotta the land. Work, you man. gotta know how they work. And that's just the thing is, uh, for a lot of people, you know, if, if you're investing so a, much time game, in other man. things, it's a game. You're so not now gonna, to change gears here. Now I am a hunter that doesn't have opportunity on a black bear. Let's say I'm from Texas. How does a non-resident make something happen in Wisconsin? So really, just putting in your application every year. I mean, because the big thing, the big thing with that is, um, you know, obviously it doesn't even have to be Wisconsin, but Wisconsin has some great black bear hunting up north, and and you got to put in your application, just like even residents do. Put in your application. Build up your preference points, and and do eventually, research, yeah, do your research. Eventually, you will be able to come up with a tag for that, or um, y- you know, and that it's the same with everything. You want to go moose hunting uh, up in Maine or, or wherever. I mean, you got to put in your preference. You got to put in your applications, gain your preference points. It's almost like seniority. I mean, obviously, well, we're all we're all super familiar with course, seniority. But, but I mean, besides that, like you got to find the people around that know what they're doing. I mean, as a as a person, you know, I mean, you you if you've done it maybe once in your time, whatever. But like if you've never even done it, which a lot of people probably haven't, like you know, you got to find somebody that knows what they're doing. And when you, I mean, you and ask questions, you know. But I mean, if if it's something that interests you. I mean, you want to invest into it, find the right people that know what they're doing. I mean, then, then you, it, otherwise, if you just go on it, I mean, blind, man, you, you know, it's the same as deer hunting. If you, it's, it, whether you're from Wisconsin, you know how to bow hunt in Wisconsin or whatever, like, you go to a different state and you're, and you're going to bow hunt, you know, at Whitetails in Illinois, I mean, you, you don't know, man. I mean, you got to, it's just a free search, it's a scouting, it's, a, you put the time in, man, you know. Yeah, I mean, like he said, I mean, just about with everything. And uh, at the end of the day, really what it's about, especially with the state that we're in as, as hunters, and if you want to do a lot of the out-of-state hunt, out hunting like I've done, you have to put in you have to put in your um, your applications. You have to build your preference points. Like I keep saying, it's like seniority. I mean, remember when you're seniors in high school or college, college or whatever on a team, you had seniority. It's it's almost in the same set. <laughs> the sooner you get it in, man, the, the, you know, I mean, the better off you'll be, I guess. You I know? gotcha. So now, if I'm going to be starting hunting, what resources should I look at? Who, what Do you guys have any point of references where I can go to, whether it be YouTube, Facebook, online, you talking, website where I can just research for on just bear or hunting bear. No, okay, just bear. bear. Everybody, every, so, everybody can help research yeah. hunting, but I'm talking about bear. Look, look, I mean, right, right away. Look up an outfitter, man. Look up an outfitter. Um, I mean, there's outf- every state for, if you're going to, uh, Wisconsin bear hunting, look look for an outfitter in Wisconsin that they, they're going to, or, or whatever, look, look up a person, they know what they're doing, and then after that, I mean. Pick their brain, you know. Yeah, I mean, pick, really, pick their brain. Pick Ask people's questions. brains who know what they're doing and that they've been in that situation before because what about public land hunting for public bear? land so public land hunting you can obviously i mean we've got public lands we got public lands a lot of places but no but how would you approach a public land bear hunt? so a public land bear hunt now how would you land. approach it i'm asking how you guys not research how would you guys approach it me, me personally man like if i was so like break it down I'm, for me if i, I like if i'm in your I'm, brain I'm, I'm here i'm walking into you know like i want a bear hunt and i want but i'm gonna do a public land like you know i mean i'm gonna go i'm gonna do my research i'm gonna look up forums man like 
you know, how people have bought beer, bear hunted forums are great. I think yeah, forums are, man. Do you guys yeah. have any any good reference points? Or like, uh, is it... straight up, I like especially bow hunting myself. Bow hunter die forums, man. Bowhunting.com. Their forums I've read, and it's not just the guys who run bow hunter die. It's people from around the whole entire Midwest, from the country, man. It's bowhunterdie.com is what you're talking about. It's bowhunting.com. Oh, bowhunting.com. I got you. Then they have uh, uh, the genre of. They have a YouTube series. um, It's called Bow Hunt or Die, but their website, bowhunting.com. Um, I mean, it's not just whitetail hunting, but it's it's black bear. It's got it's little antelope, it's separate. It's turkey. Yeah. It's oh, so it's a very good yeah, point of reference well, for all aspects. A, yeah, it's a. I mean, you you. I mean, you know, you just you ask questions. How will I go about bear hunting on public land, say in Wisconsin, whatever? Mm-hmm. I mean, oh. and, and your questions should. I mean, they will be they will be answered. You know, and, and you just you look around, you call, you ask around. How should I go about doing this? You know. Monster Muleys too is a great forum where I, I've uh, posted a lot on there, um, and and just the vast knowledge that everyone holds because you're getting people from all different walks of life um, around the country, that, and, and even the world in some cases that are going to be able to provide you with information. I mean, I, it can be as simple as a Google search as the hunting forums, and you plug that into Google, but. Monster Muleys was a great one for me. Um, I learned a lot on there. I, I was posting about, hey, I'm looking at doing some hunts for, like, spring break because I'm, I'm not a guy that likes to go out and show my dad bot out on the beach. I, I'd much rather be, you know, uh, doing some hunting. And, Very cool. Uh, and, Very and so cool. the big thing with that is they kind of led me into all these different areas and, and, and uh, outfitters and stuff. And, and outfitters are for, I mean, I, I like doing that, but at the end of the day, I'd really like to be able to gain my own experiences. And so if outfitters and guides are for you, obviously, I mean, still going on these, you're going to be able to find so, a lot of information. So what you're saying, there's more than one way to skin a cat, so. <laughs> way more than one way to skin a cat. Now, <laughs> when you guys are filming Axe Outdoors, are you guys going to be in the same ground blind, or are you guys going to be focused on... Solo hunts. It depends. So, uh, so no, our, I, well, what's your, what's your guys' focus? Our, our main focus right now, especially with just as an upcoming group as ourselves, me and Zach, the Axe, we're, we're, our focus right now is, is two people, one one filming, one hunting. Okay. Whether it's me me filming or Zach filming. Um, we'll flip a coin. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Fair we'll, enough. We'll flip a coin, whatever, you know. I mean, but... I mean, that that's the main focus right now. Obviously, that's not always going to be ideal. Um... Solo hunts and with with, so, with filming, self filming, it can be difficult. Well, um, the thing with solo hunts, you may be able to find other content and 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 different words of explaining what you're really feeling. Is it you know if you weren't with other people, and that's a big thing that I think um, that we yeah. need to experience. Because like, I've been on solo hunts. I do a lot of solo hunting. I think that being by yourself and experiencing everything. And there's no one else around. It's just you in the wilderness and the wildlife and everything. I mean, my God, there's there's nothing um, uh, more grounding. I guess I I've, I've found a lot of success though too with two people. I mean, in the past, I I was not not, not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, even with with videotaping, but like two people, you know. I mean, it helps most definitely with the acts here. I mean, we're we're just we're it's both of us. We're going to film one one another. Um, I mean, another person there. It's you work as a team. You you are going to 
definitely you're gonna see a greater outcome i think i got gotcha. you and it might be more than if you're just by yourself you, you just see it you know i mean we're, we're it's we're, we're testing the water man very you know? cool very cool i mean when it comes down to whitetail hunting whether you're hunting in the midwest or wherever or soul hunting in general i should say it's it's not easy Definitely whether it be not. hunting for whitetail whether for pheasant goose hunting soul hunting is a lot of blood sweat and tears man oh yes it's a lot of hard work it's not an easy process and as you can tell now i hunt i solo hunt myself and sometimes you just you just can't hunt with friends because life happens we do we yeah. all have we all and have taxes to pay and everybody isn't on the same schedule man you know, oh, no me and zach aren't going to be always on the same schedule we that'd be ideal but it's never you know when when a I mean, when a plan comes together, it's great, but a plan doesn't always come together. You can have a plan, but everything it change, everything changes. That is very true. So, now, if somebody wants to reach out to either one of you, how do we do that? What's the best way to method of doing so? I'd say the best way to do so is um, we have a couple of different things going right now. Um, our Instagram page is just as simple as going on the Instagram and punching in AXE. And then outdoors, um, that, that's really where we're going to be focusing a lot of time right now. We have our, uh, our regular email where you can email any questions, inquiries, um, then, if you want tips, anything. And yeah. that's also going to just be A-X-E-O-U-T-D-O-O-R-S at gmail.com. Yep. Just give you guys a heads up, all this information will be written in our bio for this episode. So there's going to be some information where you can just copy and paste and go from there. And please, please seriously, feel free. I mean, it... it Tips, like if you, you want to come hunting with us. I mean, yeah, you want to come. You just you you want to know more about us. You want to hunt with us, whatever, man. I mean, right now we're just we're just trying to get our name out there. We're just trying to, you know, like we're just a couple of dudes. We just want to show it. you what we got. We're just having fun. If you just want to know more about us, feel free. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, my name's Jack, and the, I'm and Zach. My, he's Zach. <laughs> I mean, we got our we got. Our accounts linked with uh, Axe Outdoors on Instagram, so feel free to message us whenever. Keep looking for our Facebook page, yeah. which is we're always going to be we're, we're going to be posting um, pictures. We'll have a Twitter, yep. We're, 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 all your social media stuff, which seems like the world is run by right yeah. now. You can find us there, and then like I yeah. said, if if that's not your thing, we have an email. And then, I mean, you know, it and, just... then, and in the future, the YouTube page will be up. Um, and then, I, of course, you know, that's details that will be further in the future that we will get to you as soon as as soon as possible, as soon as it happens. So, like, like we're like we're saying here, it's it's a it's a, it's a masterpiece in the progress, man. Yeah, and keep looking for our merchandise. Also, I mean, we'll have our uh, uh, some hats, t-shirts, and, and even some can koozies. So when you're out for um, <clears throat> your your deer camp <laughs> you know you gotta have something to keep your coolers warm yeah keep your coolers cold all right guys so thank you so much for turning in tuning in to another podcast of bucks of america please go rate us on google and itunes we greatly appreciate it we'll post all the information we discussed today in our bio if you have any further questions, make sure you feel free to email us. We'll talk to you later.